And we are live at Phoenix Startup Week. I'm not, I'm not going to open like a radio announcer. Jared <laughs> Bailey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Uh, so I just saw Jared down the hallway. This is what I did. I decided that I was just going to book some sessions at the podcast studio with Zcast. Zcast is amazing. Roz is here making things happen. He saw it last time. I jammed with Vincent. Now I'm here with Jared because he literally popped his head into the door looking for something and serendipitously fortuitously here we are talk about walking in the wrong room <laughs> and then i'm like hey are you ready to ready to do this and jared's always game let's do it jared what's going on in your life right now what is the number one question thought thing that you've been really focused in on or wrestling with anything business spirituality family friendships what is it? Oh gosh, you're gonna have to make me nail it down to one thing. I would say right now it's professionally, it's what I'm going to launch next. So I've been involved in uh, launching a, a, a lot of different ventures in my career and uh, spent a year launching a fintech company, getting off the ground, raising money, that whole thing. And so I'm really interested in what's next and what's next feels like it's on the blockchain. You know, what's so interesting about someone like you and me is that question it feels like is always it's always in the back of our minds what's next the next the next and i feel like it's it's this question that can so easily for me at least distract me from what's now do, mm. do you find that for yourself for sure yeah how do you combat that? <laughs> how do you combat it? Uh, you you have to learn how to appreciate what you've got now. Um, and and that's really hard, right? I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm very good at that. It's really easy to think into the future and not be present with, with what you've got today. I think my family, my for me, my family, my faith helped me stay yeah. grounded there in in the in what I appreciate right now. Um, but you know, when you're in the tech industry, it's sort of always it's always the conversation of where's the yeah. puck heading and, and for to a degree, you have to kind of train your brain to operate there. And so once you're, once you're there, it's a little bit of a curse, I think. Hmm. It's so interesting. I mean, there's this, you know, I, why are we so preoccupied with tomorrow hmm. when we have today? And I, I think for myself, that's, that's a constant battle. And, you know, a lot of people use different words for that. They'll use the word presence, mindfulness, intentionality, all fine words. But I think it's just so easy to get lost in, in there's such, a, it's escapism. I mean, really in a weird way, it's almost like, hey, what do we want to get to? But, you know, some people turn their brains off, you know, they'll right. appreciate entertainment or whatever else and they want to check out. And we act like, oh, because I'm thinking about what's next and what's tomorrow. Oh, I'm really being proactive. I'm right. doing the good thing because I'm looking ahead. And yet in the same way that checking out isn't helpful, checking into tomorrow isn't helpful either. And that becomes a form of escapism. Yeah, it's true. And it's easy. To, it is easy to go there. Um, people want to hear your opinion when you're thinking there. So people, there's a, there's a, there's a very much a, uh, feedback cycle that mm. encourages that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you, you end up getting stuck in the future and you're not focused on what you've got uh, doing or getting things done right now for sure. Or just being present. Yeah. 
you mentioned faith. I mean, for me, from a faith standpoint, that's really a big deal. And there's, uh, um, you know, Jesus had quite a bit to say about, uh, you know, all of this. So Indeed. one, one thing he, he said, you know, Hey, look, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry and anxiousness hmm. of its own. Right. Hey, just, just be present today. Like you don't have to be worried about tomorrow. That's, that's just true. Uh, whatever, faith, background, belief you have. But also he, he said, you know, I only, I only do what I, I see my father doing. Like it was just this constant state of, Hey, what's, what's happening right now? Hmm. What's going on? What does this person in front of me need? What do they care about? What is it that they're thinking about? How can I love them, serve them, encourage them? Um, the need of the moment that's a, a common phrase, I think, um, that we might might hear. What's the need of the moment? And it's so easy to be thinking about what we need tomorrow and not today. You know, I have a good litmus test for that. That you know, and to kind of draw my faith, I always I ask myself, what's you know, what's God's perspective on what's going on? What's His perspective on the situation? Because everything's going haywire. How would He look at it? Or how does He look at my wife? How does He look at my children? Like, if I could look through His eyes, what does He look? And so I say, what is His perspective? And typically, if my litmus test is however I'm thinking, mm. if that is producing things like fear, doubt, yeah. control. Not anger that it's usually I'm not operating under that perspective. I'm yeah. usually operating under my own or, you know, somebody else's, but definitely not, not his. So, you know, if I can look at the current situation and I feel fruit that, that feels like joy and mm. love and uh, compassion and those types of things, then I, then I start to feel like, okay, I'm kind of operating in the right perspective. It's mm. good. I think, you know, I ask myself, I try and I, I'm not the best at it. So I admit that, but I really, I do think it's so simple when it, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, we, we complicate things. I'm so good. We're all good at complicating things. <laughs> and really, you know, even one thing I hate and I, I'm so guilty of it. I've been guilty of it is, you know, you, you ask people, how are they doing? busy. Right. I'm busy. That's not how you're doing. Actually, that's okay. Your schedule is looking maybe a little bit more packed, but that's not a state of being. You can't just, uh, be busy. You can, you know, just bear with me on this. So I think if you talk about all these things that we start adding, if you just look at your calendar and you look at all the things that start you start adding on to your own plate. And one of the things uh, I did, Vincent and I were, he briefly mentioned it as he, he was saying how he appreciates my email. Uh, Cause I have this autoresponder. You've gotten it. Jerry. Oh yeah. 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 What do you think oh, about yeah. that? I'm not going to hear from Jonathan until Friday. Uh, <laughs> I love if, it. If that. <laughs> I love it. Cause you'll find out that most of the things that were needed or necessary or important actually go away by then. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's so true. And if you really actually just said, what if I didn't worry myself with what I think is important right now and I was able to just just wait? The the mm. really important stuff actually does stop start to kind of reveal itself over time and and just by cutting that stuff out 
and cutting out the stuff that's completely superfluous and unnecessary. I mean, when you look at my calendar, I was really challenged by this uh, post from Jason Fried, common entrepreneur, 37 signals, wrote rework, created base camp, amazing guy. And he has a very, Mm -hmm. I would say countercultural perspective on how to build startups. Mm -hmm. And I think he has a lot of stuff figured out, even though I don't, I'm not like on the, on the Jason Fried cult train or anything, but, but <laughs> I do like some of the stuff that he it says. And he showed this one post about his calendar and how he just, he doesn't schedule anything in advance. Hmm. Like he didn't even start scheduling that because then what happens is you set up these meetings that ultimately end up being kind of unnecessary. And I always like being with people, et cetera, but if they need to, you know, talk with me, I just don't just give me a call. Yeah. Like it is incredible just by virtue of not setting up call based meetings, how much that frees up your schedule. And if they need you, they'll call you mm-hmm. and you can respond right then. And man, that alone starts to save you so much time. We're always filling our, uh, our lives and our minds with. 30 and 60 minute blocks of time. And it's just, it shouldn't be like that. Well, you say that people, you know, it's not a state of being that you're busy. I I think for a lot of people it is. I think for a lot of people it's if I'm busy, then therefore I'm productive. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I think for Americans, whether you're across faiths or not, you know, lack of faith doesn't matter. We as Americans like to be busy. Mm. Um, and we, and we think that we're doing right by doing that. And I think it applies. I mean, my, my wife, she, she builds the home and she has the same problem, right? She, she, it's a state of being for her to be busy, to say yes mm-hmm. to things, to schedule things. And, uh, you know, I, I fall into the same trap and I think we all do. I think if we really start looking at the things that there are things that I want to be, I want to fill my time in my life with. And they just happen to not be anything that interacts with my email. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> I, I legitimately mean that. Like anything in my life, the things that I want to fill my life with have nothing to do. They do not touch my inbox. Hmm. And if we start to realize that, that I really want to spend time with my friends and my family and I want to have conversations that are meaningful it just has nothing to do with you reaching my email and me responding in some way, shape or form. Hmm. That's good. That's very freeing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's on rare occasion that I can say like, I've had no meaningful exchange via email. I, I can just say that I've, I I'll say this. I, I email has incited a couple meaningful exchanges because someone reaches out has said something encouraging or, or tried to schedule something. And then we have a deep, meaningful conversation in person. So that has happened. I won't say it hasn't happened as a whole, but on the whole, if I look at the majority of my interactions, it's not because my, my email got me there. Hmm. I don't know. I would agree with that. I'm, I'm cycling back through my email file just today going, wow, could I have done it all without responding to one email? It might be possible. (laughs) <laughs> what would happen if we just freaking picked up the phone? Mm, it feels like 1982. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. 82. That was a good year. 
I was born in 1982. <laughs> Which Star Wars came out in 82? Oh, nice. Uh, E.T. came out in 1982. Yeah, so that was that was a strong year. Summer of 1982. It was, it was a good one. What did you say? Back to the Future. Back to the Future, baby. Out here. Yes. Oh, man. The, the DeLorean. DeLorean is out front. That was pretty dope. Oh, good, good work, Carvana. You got your plug in. <laughs> nice. I, I do think... Uh, when you hear, I was just mentioning, and Roz was saying, one of the reasons he loves podcasts is because you get to hear, he says, you can ghostwrite, you can do all this other stuff and fake something, mm-hmm. essentially. I'm paraphrasing, but you can fake something when it's written or portrayed in a picture and so on and so forth. But the voice, you can't do it. Yeah. And there's this quote from Maya Angelou uh, that I remembered reading. And she said, uh, words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes a human voice to infuse them with shades of deeper meaning. Mm. And I think that's true. And that's why I hate text messages. Oh, group text messages. The bane of my existence. It's the worst. I just turn off the notifications instantly. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah. We, unfortunately, we have too many inboxes, and they tend to find you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's unfortunate. I do hope that you put that quote on the website, Raj. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, even if there is something about you know, I've picked up podcasts really heavily in the last year. Uh, there is something about uh, consuming content that way that's a lot more organic. Feels a lot more. Um, feels a lot more like it's supposed to feel uh, something more interesting, easier to stay involved, that sort of thing. But it's good. It's because you can hear the person and their heart and their soul being transmitted through the airwaves, whatever the, uh, I don't know, the scientific things are related to it. But I, I just, I just like, I, I want to hear what's going on. And can't you hear it? I mean, instantly when you meet someone for the first time, I mean, when you get a phone call from someone that you don't know, and you feel like, wow, there's a connection, even just you're not even looking at them in the eyes, mm-hmm. but you're you're feeling that one thing I, I read a, an article, I think it was in Wired magazine. I can't remember if that's uh, the source. So I, pardon me if, if not. But I whenever I'm on the phone, I'm a pacer. Yeah. It's like I, I, I'm from Indiana. I just I just pace back and forth. I worked at a co-working space downtown and it was in, in a square kind of setup and I would just make the rounds. It was like yeah. there was a track yeah. and I was just on it. And I found out that the reason that people do that is in the absence of being face to face with someone, there are all mm-hmm. these body language cues that we're picking up on and that we're connecting with. In the absence of that, if we're moving while speaking or listening to someone else speak, our brain is trying to form those same connections by mm. our own movement rather than witnessing that other person and picking up on those uh, subliminal uh, 
you know, human cues. Oh, that's interesting because I am also a pacer. I've worn holes in carpets before. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting. I, I've never understood where that comes from because I certainly don't do it, obviously, in interpersonal communication. But I do talk for a living, right? I do it yeah. a lot. And um, and I found that- you have a nice voice, Jerry. When, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and I've, I've found mm. that uh, I, there's, there's an anxiety when I don't have somebody on the phone. I feel like that's the space I'm filling by walking around. Yeah. Is I'm not getting all the information. Uh, or, you know, my, my, my brain has to move faster yeah. than what it feels like it can do when I'm sitting in a seat by myself. So for the record, that's why I hate video conferencing software, because then you're forced to Ooh. sit down. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. And then you just have to keep looking at your little thumbnail going, you know, is, is, do I have a hair in my nose or, you know, <sighs> it's the worst. And it's just, it, I don't know. There's something that screen does not lend itself to that true interpersonal communication that's why though in that place if i'm not moving what do i do i shake my knee uh right yeah yeah all all those scientifically that's what our brain is trying to do it's such a weird deal yeah anyway hmm. so uh jared you mentioned kind of what was next that's been something that's been on your mind but in, in light of this conversation what's now what's what's happening right now for you what's happening now so the biggest things in my life uh, my wife and i we have three biological kids we are adopting a seven-year-old and he's coming right in uh in place number three of the totem pole and it's it's really you know i, I talk to people about this just because of my faith i'm a christian and and you know the i've heard this said that eskimos have a hundred words for snow Mm -hmm. You heard this? Yeah. Yeah. That's all they know. You know, it's just, there's hard snow and there's, there's icy snow, there's fluffy snow, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a, as a Christian, one of the, the themes that we deal with a lot in day-to-day -day basis is love, right? If you look at, you look at the old scriptures, there's a lot of different words for different kinds of love, yep. right? It's not just love is everything. It's, it's not just romance and not just, you know, you have agape, you have all these kinds of love. And when you do something as frankly difficult as it is to bring uh, a seven-year-old person who's been through a significant amount of pain and uh, rejection and other things in their life. And you bring them into a, a loving home, th you learn all kinds of new versions of love and you learn that you are not equipped for some of it. And you actually have to learn new kinds of love mm. and that so if i look at my life and all the things and where the puck's heading and what i'm doing professionally it's all great but the real life is happening every day at home with this decision frankly a really difficult decision that has now been made and now we are now we're just learning right and mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of daily life for me um yeah so i would say that's kind of the biggest thing i love that i think there's so there's so much I could dive into in that. And I think, you know, my personal mission is I live to love radically investing mm. my, my inheritance, my whole inheritance as a, uh, as ultimately a community builder and a starter, right? And those are how I've been made, how I've been created. Our family's mission is to live in love freely. That's what our, our family mission statement is. Um, and so for me, there's this idea uh, uh, that you're referring to is I, I love in uh, the Bible, it says pursue love. Mm. And I love that word pursuit because I think 
there's no end point. You know, there's a, there's this great movie called Euro dreams of sushi. Fantastic. It's Mm -hmm. all about mastery. And he talks about how he'll, he'll dream of sushi. And he says, no one knows where the top is. There's no one, no one knows where the top I'm just, I'm continuing to pursue this, this craft, this thing. And ultimately I believe love is the same way. There's no end point destination. There's no arrival. There's no, Oh, I, I made it from here to there. And now I am that like in the infinite space of love, which I believe is, is God's very nature that he's created us for it, that that is, it's our design and it should be our ultimate pursuit. Well, there's, there's no limit to that then. And so, yeah, we need more words for it. We need more expressions of it. Ultimately for me, at the end of every day, I try and ask myself, I don't do it all the time, but I try and ask myself two questions. One question is, do I know and love Jesus more? Mm-hmm. And the next question is, did I express love as fully as I can today? Mm. It's good. It's really simple. Yeah. And so when you're talking about what you're going through with Jakari, right? Your, uh, your son to be, um, mm-hmm. the one that you've taken in as a son already and a, uh, as a father in your heart. I think that love is this, it's this radical costly yes. expression and it, it requires everything. And if I'm using a word, actually, I think most people will be like, what? I think that love is a violent act. Mm. And I don't mean violent in a bad way, but I think it takes a violence of purpose and desire to say, I'm going to as radically as possible express love yeah. to the world, to the people that are in my sphere of in- influence. And uh, there's no there's no end point. Yeah. And I think every day there's opportunities for plumbing the depths of it and and taking new territory in the space of love. A lot of us, like in my marriage alone, I didn't really, I, every day I figure out new ways to love my wife, but I would say that before I learned how to ask for forgiveness, I didn't really truly love my wife. Mm, And it requires you, even when you, in the face of feeling an injustice from your spouse, Mm that you could very clearly in 10 of your friends lining up would agree with you say that was an injustice. Um, it's really hard in that case to be vulnerable and recognize what you yourself bring to the party or have contributed. And until I learned how to say, you know what? I need to ask for forgiveness, not expecting you to then reciprocate That's and right. ask me, that not being but the motive. here's, I'm just going to put that out there and this is going to require something of me It is in that moment. And then of course, inevitably people respond well to that. They mm. respond with love. And so you end up finding out this whole other layer and meaning of love, but it required something to do it. And it was something more painful than simply sort of sitting back and waiting for love to, you know, bask you in its glory. Kind of <laughs> you know, we're dealing with that so much with our kids. Uh, again, our mission, live in love freely. We have these five values, uh, uh, trust Jesus, love well, give thanks, work hard, take risks. You know, mm. those are, our, our family values and, and, um, with our kids in particular, especially our youngest who's six now and 
very headstrong and and uh, a unique, determined individual. He deals with retaliation right now. Like something happens, even an accident, and then it's just an instant retaliation against brother or sister to do something else. And we were yeah. saying he came in and he wants to always justify the behavior rather than saying, no, I was, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that, et cetera. Well, she did X, whatever. And uh, so the other day, he something accidental happened. He hit his sister and we said, hey, you know, let's go back to, you talk about forgiveness. Let's go back uh, to um, uh, what uh, God says about um, this idea that, hey, if you were striked against a cheek, what's he, he say to do? He says to turn the other cheek. Now, you know, that's also not not just a physical sense. I mean, most people would be like, what? You know, just get closer. It's not just a physical, but at the time, striking the cheek, it was, it was this idea of insult, right? I mean, mm-hmm. someone insulting or offending you. And the, the, what he's saying there is, hey, don't then just retaliate back, especially, and don't even just walk away, but be willing to turn the other cheek. And I, so we tell our son this, mm-hmm. and he's heard it before, but it's like just striking him now. And it's, and he goes, why? Why would he say that? <laughs> like so much confusion. But if you want to talk about something that's different in the world, something that no one's doing, hey, when you get offended or you get hurt or you get uh, struck, what are you willing to do mm. to show that even despite the cost, the pain, the hurt, the sacrifice, the suffering, whatever it is, to show that love on others because no one's doing that. Yeah. It's good. It's very countercultural right now. Yeah. I agree. But I think also people know it in their heart. They hear it and, and people know that that is something that truly whatever background you come from, that's something that's otherworldly. Yeah. It's something that is, uh, divine nirvana, like <laughs> whatever word you want to use that it it speaks to something that is other. And I believe in its truest form, without having all the words to express it, that love in its truest and purest form is absolutely 100% other. Yeah. It's interesting. I have a friend who I would say he, he he's young. He, he does all the things that somebody who's young and you know, maybe not particularly centered in a faith would do, right? All the kind of worldly things, right? He's got girlfriends. He's um, what he had he, girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, you know, Jared. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> he, he does all the things that I did when I was younger. <laughs> and you know, he drinks a lot and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but he's he's constantly miserable, mm. and he's constantly like, oh gosh, is this is this really it? And I keep telling him, like, maybe it's not it. But I said, have you ever seen the movie The Matrix? He's like, yeah, of course. I said, have you ever got the feeling that you're operating under a set of rules and that every you seem to be adhering to the rules, but the adherence of those rules doesn't really produce anything great? Mm. Like, And he goes, actually, yes. Yes, I do. Mm. I said, is it possible that you're operating under a playbook that wasn't meant to give you these deeper meanings of life. Mm. And he goes, actually, that makes sense. I do mm. feel like I'm operating. He goes, well, what's the playbook? I said, well, you have to go figure that out. Right. I, I have my playbook that I follow, but I think at the end of the day, somebody has to identify that thing that, that goes against what 
I think the world would say is wise or appropriate or even just. You go against that, you walk into something that's painful, like turning the other cheek. And then in the other side of that activity or that action, you realize why, why Jesus said something like that. Mm -hmm. Because there is a playbook that I think that runs counterculture to what we have kind of grown up being taught. And I, and I think the, the sooner somebody sort of realizes that and maybe tries attempts to act in that, they start to realize what this sort of transcendent kind of uh, reality feels like. It's really good. My dad uses this analogy that I love. He, he puts together these chopsticks. I'll take a stand, your standard grade chopsticks, uh, anything that's kind of straight. And he'll put them in the shape of essentially a V. And he says there are two ways uh, through all of life. And on the one side, this uh, side that is very open, the top of the V, if you will, there's life. And at the bottom of the V, with a, just a really thin crack, there's, there's death. Hmm. And he says that there are two ways through life. And one requires the passing through death, hmm. the hard, the sacrifice, the difficult, the turning of the other cheek. Mm -hmm. But as you walk that way, what happens is the road, the path, the journey opens up and it becomes a way that leads unto life. Or you can be going the opposite way and you can be someone who's angry and retaliating and responding negatively as, as any uh, offense is taken. And that might seem like the easier way. That might seem like the way of life. But as you go the other that direction, ultimately, it leads unto you're not having many mm -hmm. fruitful relationships. And if you think about this in any way, think about your finances. Yes, yeah, saving uh, and budgeting, that is not as fun as having credit cards and racking up a lot of debt. But while that way seems easier at first, what that's going to lead to is a life of debt and versus, hey, the people that are saving and being wise and being careful, that's going to lead unto life and yeah. freedom and flexibility. And if you look at this in any context, you can start to see that there truly is this thing that costs more up front. But as you walk that way and as you journey that way, that is what leads unto a life of freedom and health and ultimately what I believe is abundant life versus the opposite, which leads unto something that is not as pleasant. Yeah, that's good. Unfortunately, I don't know how we get there with apps like Tinder, <laughs> but you know, there's no you're, pain you're anymore. There's no you, pain required. <laughs> that's right. You have to have like the willingness to go through. I mean, dating is definitely death. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> rejection. You dating, don't need rejection anymore. Dating is difficult. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, uh, but uh, you go you go the right way and and be careful. Again, yeah. I think it's a it's a valuable principle that applies to so many areas and is very helpful. It's good. Uh, Jared, 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 you look way more dressed up than I do. Indeed. I'm I mean, on stage in 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And and here it is. I mean, how are you going to carry this on the stage? What are you going to be talking about in 20 minutes? Uh, I've been asked to. So I in the last 12 months, I raised uh, almost three and a half million dollars for a tech startup in a, in a backwater hick state like Arizona. <laughs> so people are interested. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> I know, right. I say that 
pejoratively, but the reality is you can do that here. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone can do anything anywhere, frankly, but there, there's a system and a process to do it. And unfortunately we don't have a lot of people that have, have know that just the, the mechanics of raising capital. So I've been asked, would I explain the mechanics of raising that kind of capital in a place like Arizona? And then I was going to tack onto it a little bit about growth hacking, because I think that mm. not enough of us know how to attract eyeballs to yeah. our venture and growth hacking is sort of a, it's almost a mindset of how you, how you go about building the system to do that. So that's my topic today. So I'm going to now hijack what you just said, growth hacking, and ask you how you personally have growth hacked your own person, your own. I mean, we're, we're like a, a startup that's always <laughs> iterating, evolving, growing, right? I, I actually, I, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Jimmy Chu, who heads up entrepreneurship and innovation. She talked about the startup of self uh, that mm. always iterating and growing. So personally, what's your, your number one or leading growth hack that you would share with others? Personal growth yes, hack? Like how I growth hacked my own, growth my own self. Gosh. Uh, I would say it's, uh, you know, for me, like, like I said, I think there's a playbook outside of what mainstream think about. And I think I, I find that in scripture. So I would say that's interestingly a growth hack. Yes. And then I would say, and then there's also practical growth hacks. I've done so much on LinkedIn. I've had overseas people operating as me in different varieties and capacities doing things that I needed to do, but at scale. So there's also the practical, you can actually growth hack yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's with social media and everything else. There's all sorts of crazy things uh, that you can do. Definitely on the relationship side. So personal growth hack for me, one uh, thing has definitely been, uh, I'll share two. Um, one, you, you mentioned um, the email and I would, the word that I've been using for it over the last year is digital minimalism. You know, essentialism is a word that's out there. Mm -hmm. All these types of things, right? How do you win back time, you know, for yourself? And and definitely one of the greatest things that I've I've used uh, specifically has this been this thing called affordance theory. And affordance theory states that how you design your environment then requires some type of action. Uh, based upon it, it by virtue of its very design. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, uh, a, a door uses affordance theory where it says uh, a handle on a door would be affordance. You don't have to store the information uh, of how to interact with the door because once you come up to it, uh, there's a handle there. So you know what to do and you don't have to actually use space in your brain to respond to it by virtue of its design. You know what to do. So similarly, I started to kind of apply that to my life and say, okay, there's this inverse principle out of mm. sight, out of mind. Well, what's in sight and in mind. So I started to say, what are the things I do not want to interact with anymore because they steal my headspace and my time. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, offload, hide, eliminate, and destroy those things from my life. Right. And I'm going to then replace them with things that I do want to interact with. So as an example of that, my phone, I now only see, I have three apps on my phone that are at the bottom. Uh, Evernote, Audible, and Kindle. So last year, as a result of, deleting all social media apps 
putting on my my email autoresponder, not having Safari in the bottom, not having social media, et cetera, et cetera. I was able to read about 50 books hmm. last year. And I, as a result, grew. And I grew also my time and, and the things that I wanted to do. I thought you've been really interesting in the last year. Now I understand. Now you understand. 50 books in. You're- 50 books in. <laughs> uh, some of these I can I can copyright as Jonathan. I'm kidding. I, you know, some of these some of these ideas, but no, it's uh that's that's been a huge thing. And then also one of the other things, growth hack for me. Uh, over the last year has been uh, just more of a quarterly look at my life and putting together just smaller snapshots and goals to say, what is it that I personally want to be doing and that I'm going to be measuring and evaluating against uh, not just goals and, and but also like priorities and real intentions. And one of those things is even intentional relationships. Who are the people that I'm intentionally going to be spending more time with? Because it's so easy to forget about those, even people that you really care about. Like as an example, I love my parents. I spend time with them. We, we do spend time, but I've tried to get really a lot more intentional with mm-hmm. how am I spending time with them? Cause it turns out they're not going to be here forever. No, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've been going that through that too with my parents, especially my dad. He, uh, he's just, you know, he's getting older and he it's, he's not getting around as, as well as he used to. And it's finding that quality time now. He's got it. He's retired. Yeah. But, you know, now suddenly I've got to manage the noise in my in my day, right? Yeah. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's not easy, but that's really where life, you know, when we're finally on yeah. our deathbed, it's going to be those times that we're going to look back at. And the rest of it's going to be irrelevant. Absolutely. I think um, I've really been thinking about my mom's on the kidney transplant list right now. And she's diabetic and... Um, still good energy and I'm, I'm sure she'll be around for a long time, mm-hmm. but, uh, she, um, you know, is just dealing with that. And my parents just, uh, my parents are pretty young. My parents just turned 60. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of time still left. I, I know that, but we keep saying that and then it ends up, we get, and then it's that quality of experience and opportunity just isn't quite there. And so yeah. we've really, I, I went to my family this last year and I said, you know what? We have a great family. We're blessed. We get together for a family dinner once a week. My mom watches our kids every week for a date night for my wife and I, they watch the grandkids. They're, uh, they're around. We, we have this. Mm-hmm. I said, but there's more, there has, there's always more. What do we hope for? What do we want to do? And my mom really wants to be taking bigger trips. So Mm. We just, two weeks ago, we just booked, we're going to Europe. Wow. With our kids and my parents. Love it. And uh, that's going to be a memory maker. I mean, we're going, you know, with my 11, nine and six year old and grandma and papa. And mm. I'm, I'm really excited. My mother-in-law bought our family and all of our, the cousins and our extended family uh, tickets to a Disney cruise. Nice. Two years ago. She just emailed me. And of course I, I did all the filming and the video stuff. I put it in a big Google shared album and I sent it out after the cruise. She just found it again and emailed it out. You could feel the joy in that email. She said, thank you, Jared, for, for recording all of these memories. It was so amazing. She did it because she wanted that memory and she got it and she, she just cherishes it. And it's yeah. just great to see that. And we all get to cherish it. Thanks to her. So the point of this, I hate to bring it back to this, but folks, don't worry about what's next. Worry about what's today, right in front of you. What's now? So much opportunity. 
And I know you agree, Jared. I certainly do. Thanks so much for joining me. Love to Phoenix, to all of you listening. Peace. Peace.